In this podcast, we welcome back Helen Tarrant, Australia's leading commercial property agent and buyer's advocate. Here, Helen speaks about the ideal first commercial property for new investors and why they should avoid bright, shiny objects. Helen also explains the process involved in putting together a commercial property deal and all of the steps involved. Helen then talks about the three main benefits for using her team of experts to find the best property that meets the investor's needs. Hey there, gurus. This is Tony Buffer, your host of the Commercial Property Insiders Podcast. This is the podcast that takes you to the inner sanctum of commercial property millionaires, investors, and industry experts. This is where Australia's top insiders reveal their secrets about making positive cash flow, passive income through commercial property. This is a non-BS, unscripted, unrehearsed podcast designed to give you ideas and inspiration to become the next commercial property millionaire guru just like many of my guests. And be sure to stay tuned right to the end, gurus, where I ask each expert insider to give you, the listener, a secret 30-second tip. This is something I love to ask all of my guests as a special bonus for you. Three, two, one. Commercial properties are a go. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Commercial Property Insiders podcast. And today we have back with us uh, again, Helen Tarrant. So welcome back, Helen. Thank you, Tony. Good to be back. Always yes, good. And I thought it would be really worthwhile to have you back because the last time we talked, we talked a little bit about your background and what got you involved in commercial property and and some tips for um, for newbie commercial property investors like myself. But one of the things that um, I thought would be u- very useful for people is to understand um, what would be the ideal first commercial property that they should look for and what you would recommend would be the ideal property. Um, and we, we talked before about uh, a lot of people that enter the commercial property market as investors would like to buy bright, shiny objects. Now, can you pass on to the listeners whether you think that is a good strategy or not? Uh, well, Tony, firstly, uh, we need to identify what uh, big, bright, shiny objects are. And for most of uh, clients that I see and, and students that I teach, that shiny object is a McDonald's, a KFC, a petrol station, childcare. So your branded name tenants that you see in the auction houses. So they typically go for very high prices, multiple multiples of millions and with a very low yield. So somewhere between anywhere from 2% to you know, 5% if you're looking at buying in a metro area and that is really uh, that big bright shiny object it's almost like the trophy asset that people want to own Uh, it is in key locations and most people hold it not for the cash flow but for the longevity of the stability of rental growth each year the tenant will always be there if they're not another tenant will replace them and that potentially there is development potential the land value goes up and then when they look to resell someone will pay a premium again for that because there's no other land available. And effectively, that's why, and that is the strategy for buying one of those properties. Now, if you're a first-time starting out in commercial property, that is absolutely the wrong property for you, Uh, purely because, firstly, you're not going to be sinking 3 or $5 million on one single asset. That is already too high risk. Most people starting out with the first commercial property is going to be looking at the sub-1 mil or sub-1.5 million dollar range. And in that range... You should be looking at a property that is just as good, 
uh, but with your run-of-the-mill tenant. So I often say when you're starting out, boring is good. You get a tenant, it's boring, and you're going, wow, it's actually brilliant. So, And the reason for that is the tenant uh, can be a, instead of a like a subway, you can buy a cafe tenant. Right? Mm-hmm. A cafe tenant can give you a five-by-five-by-five-year lease. Uh, they could be just as stable because the area loves the food they serve, love the coffee, they know everyone local, and they may work, you know, 7 a.m. till 3 p.m. So they can then still go and surf and beach and, and do that. And they will do, you know, probably um, Mondays to Saturdays or, mon- or sometimes even seven days a week. Now, that kind of tenant is ideal because they have a bit of work-life balance in the evening mm. uh, and then you and they've got – it's a bit of a lifestyle business as well. And then they can also charge those prices as well. So – um, in terms of their coffees and, and the food as well, because that's what the locals are paying for to be. They like the area, they enjoy the atmosphere, and you've got a stable business there. That's a stable commercial property. It's I not understand. a yeah. I totally, I, I totally get your point, but it, it is so much safer, isn't it? It seems more secure when you go with a name brand, right? That is true. A lot of people do look at the name brand and go, that is a security in the name brand. But one of the yeah. things that happens with name brand businesses that what we've seen coming through COVID is a lot of name brand businesses have ceased to exist. Uh, and we're seeing that in the next 12 to 24 months, more changes of these brand name businesses are going to be new brands coming into the market. And some of the old brands have been phased out purely because there's just isn't um, the, the economics have changed and their businesses, the models no longer work. So that's something to, um, to, t- to keep in mind. But the other thing why people love brand name tenants is that they feel that, you know, that they're part of a, a legacy, uh, that they feel proud that they're being able to own something. It's like if they own an iconic building in Sydney CBD. For them, it's always going to be their prized possession. Right. Um, it is the, something along that. It, it, there is a more of an emotional uh, attachment to it than it is just to buy a petrol station with a 12-year or 25-year lease at 3% yield. Because at 3% yield, that petrol station, when you buy it at $10 million, is negative. And why would you be in a negative gearing space with, with a commercial property except for the fact that you love the property, you love the area, and you're holding it for long-term capital growth? You're using the residential strategy. So is, okay, so understanding that balance of security with yield. Now, do you, is there a formula to come up with? I mean, is there a, like an inverse relationship between yield and, and tenant security? Yeah, so I always look at uh, a couple of things when I've got a new client coming on board uh, into our buyer's agency program. I look at it, and the reason I call it a program rather than a service mm-hmm. is because it is a program that helps our investors from understanding what they should be investing in all the way becoming a professional investor at the end of it. So going through a journey with them. So it's not just a service, it's actually a program to mentor them through that process. But for one of the things I look at is risk versus security. So for certain type of clients, so I'll give you an example. I've got clients who will buy a vacant property or a property with some tenants that are month-to-month leases, um, so not your type of secure tenants, month-to-month leases, in an area that is a good industrial area or a retail area in a good area, but the building is run down. Like it will need a new roof. It's got leaks in the wall. It's got termite damage. The cracks on the driveway. It's got all of these things that you look at and go, oh, my God, I will not touch that property. They will buy that property 
and they will hold with a view of holding it for two years as a constant work project for those two years because they know at the end of it they will be able to kick out the current tenant, put new tenants in, refurbish the property and increase the value of that property and the rentals. Right. And so for them, they're they're in the risk, they're able to tolerate risk. So they can buy high-risk properties. Um, they can buy properties that are, um, well, most people who look at distressed properties in COVID are thinking that, oh, so the vendor needs to sell. So therefore, I want to pick up that bargain. But it's actually because the tenant is defaulting. That's why the vendor needs to sell. Ah, mm. So you actually can't be a conservative investor buying that type of property because if you're a convinced investor, that's going to keep you up at night. It is someone who has high risk tolerance yeah. to go there and buy that property because they know the tenant will vacate within the first three months. That's fine. They may have a vacancy for six or nine months because of the market. And then once that tenant comes back in, uh, a new tenant comes back in, the market area changes, uh, then you know they'll pick up the growth on the back end and they've got that long-term view and they've got the holding power. So that's a different type of tenant, a different type of tenant, different type of purchaser. Now, on the other hand, you've got someone who is... Um, who is low risk and want very secure properties. Sure. So, you know, we're on the opposite end. So for them, they would take, they would rather have less of a return, but yeah. more, um, but more of a secure area. So they want to be something in a hub. They want to make sure the hub has very little vacancies. Yeah. They want to make sure the tenant is stable for the long term. They want to make sure there's got a long lease on it. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. And that's what they're essentially paying for. Gotcha. So let, let's, and that makes sense to me, but let, let's talk about location in terms of uh, a, new, a new investor. Where do you recommend that they should be investing? Should it be cities? Should it be regional? Does it matter what the location is? So I think before they look at the location, you've got to look at risk and security. Firstly, once they understand themselves and they can understand. If they're risk-driven, they can go regional. Right, so they, they can tolerate risk, tolerate vacancies. They can go regional right. um, because if they have a vacancy, they've got time. They've got time and holding power. Yep. If they're not, if they're risk averse and they want security, they need to stay in a metro area. They need right. to stay in the cities because that is the best safeguard for them. Um, yep. For them to make sure that they can maintain their rental levels, maintain um, being able to have the access to the the, the top pool of tenants if they had to retenant. The other thing to look at on top of that is cash flow versus growth that's the other two i balance out in the transaction and the cash flow is about how much cash flow is the property going to generate and versus how much growth it is so again if you're in regional and you're picking up 14 percent in return then what you'll find is that uh you won't get any growth out of that property If you are buying in Metro Sydney and you're getting 4% yield, so very little cash flow, but you'll have growth in the back end. So you've got to look at which one do you like most. Mm. And, of course, the answer is I want both. Well, yes, I mean, in everything in life you have both, but it's about which way do you lean more towards. Yeah, Yeah. sure. So getting that balance. And, again, you're saying there is an inverse relationship between um, the growth and the the capital growth and cash flow. Yes. Yeah, yeah right. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, Helen, there, there's a lot more I want to ask you about in terms of what you, how you can help uh, the newbie investor. So, before we do, we'll just take a 30-second break and we'll hear from our sponsors and we'll come back and delve into that.
Okay, just a moment. Leverage high yields and cash flow through commercial property investing with Helen Tarrant. If you're new to commercial property investing, are a cash-strapped residential investor, or you're building your property investment portfolio and you're looking for an edge in today's markets, you'll want to learn from Australia's original and leading specialist in commercial property investing, Helen Tarrant. Go to commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders and get started with your education and commercial investing journey today. commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to Commercial Property Insiders podcast. And with me today, I have the one and only Helen Tarrant. And Helen uh, had explained about uh, bright, shiny objects and why they may not be the best choice for for newbie commercial property investors. But I want to go now, Helen, more into um, the whole process of buying a commercial property and how you can help them. So maybe if you can start just by explaining um, to the listeners what is the actual process from start to finish to signing that contract and having the property for acquiring a commercial property? Okay, so in this hot market, properties change and exchange hands really, really fast. So one of the things that you need to understand and see and and, and try to get your head around is that you need to get the property under contract as soon as possible, subject to whatever the conditions you want, whether it's a due diligence, it's finance, evaluations, pest and building, inspections, whatever it is, then you negotiate it. You want to get it signed off, not by you, but by the vendor. Because the longer time you leave it, someone else has come in and going to nab that property. So you want to be able to turn that property around fast. That's the number one thing you have to do. So you want to take that property um, and that you've negotiated on, let's say you've negotiated on for, you know, a couple of days, and then once that's done, then you want to be able to put that to contract as soon as possible. So you've got to quickly line up some of your ducks, which is the legal side of it, you know, get a legal review. So you should have a solicitor already lined up or, you know, someone from our community can advise some solicitors that we use um, and you should already have most of your finance checked. Then you get the turnaround and you get the vendor to sign up. Before the vendor signs the contract, the property is not yours. Just be very, very clear with this. Most people get this bit wrong. Like, when we do it for our clients, we usually use agents that we've dealt with before or we know that this property deal has, you know, got, you know, pretty much waiting for ink to dry, that everything's been accepted, all of that. But unless we know that for certain this is going to be signed off, we will not spend any more money on this property. So we will not pay for an inspection. We will not pay for pest and building. We will not pay for, well, obviously we're going to pay for legals, but we will not be paying for valuation fees or any of those things until the property is under contract. Once it's under contract, then it's totally different. Then, you know, you've got to go and make sure you start doing your due diligence and go through your whole process of your um, the, the getting all the reports done, you know, whether that's a strata report, a pest and building, a um, valuation, and you might want to fly up there to see it or engage someone else to see it. That may be the case um, because you could find yourself gazumped on a property if it wasn't signed off and you've spent five grand on reports. Yeah. Yeah. And we have seen this happen. We've seen some people who are um, who are not part of our program came back later and said, look, I've spent $10,000 on reports and I got gazumped. It's wow. like wow. that's not where we want our clients or any of our listeners to be. We want yeah. them to make sure that they're under contract. Then they can spend the money. And then 
when you're under contract, you've got to show them you're actually actively looking for, you know, looking at the property. So you've got to make sure you start organizing your personal building and get everything lined up. So that's the next process is the due diligence. I um, mean, you've got to be able to turn around that fairly fast as well. And one thing to stay on it is actually your finance. The finance clicks in as soon as the contract is signed. Now, the finance bit is really important because at the moment the banks are really slow. So it can take three weeks for a valuer to get out there. Um, and it can take another two weeks for the bank to process. So you'll be five weeks before you, you know, even blink. So that's something you've got to manage. So you've got to stay on top of it by turning around all your documents that the bank requests, by booking in and paying for the value as soon as possible, sign off on any letters of offer that they give you. So you've got to move things faster. Um, so that's one of the things. And then during that process, you may need to get some advice. So during the due diligence and finance process, you may realise if you're doing this on your by yourself or if you're not doing it by yourself and you're doing it with us as part of our buyer's agency program, we will help you through this and we'll do most of the work for you. Yeah. But if you're doing it on your own, you've got to get some professional advice. So that may be getting a building consultant to look through your build, building and pest report because that comes with a lot of disclaimers. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it might say, look, there's some structural damages. Then you may have to get an, engineering, an engineer out and pay for that. Um, they may have, you know, you might do a strata report and they say, look, there's capital works to be done on the roof or there is a leak in one of the units that's going to flood your unit. Well, that may require you to go and investigate it further and spend some more money on, on it. So mm -hmm. these are some of the things that may come up and you want to leave yourself plenty of time to get those things done. Um, on top of that, sometimes people will seek for additional financial and accounting advice. So they may go and see a financial planner. They may go and see an accountant just thinking that, okay, once the income comes in, how do I distribute the income and, and just making sure that that's all lined up properly. I mean, obviously, they will have got their structures before they sign the contract, but they may need some additional tax advice during that mm. time. So Absolutely. that's all of the things to do. And it's quite a lot to do if you think about it in 30 days, right? especially when you're working full time. Exactly. When you're working full time, you've got a lot to do, right? So once that 30 days is over and you've got the valuation that stacks up, you're, you're happy with due diligence, you go unconditional. And that's where you've got to start um, finding your property manager, making sure you've got the right property manager for the property. Yep. And that may be vetting two or three property managers uh, and then getting um, getting all the loan documents from the bank because they're ready to, to settle. Um, yep. And so that's, that's sort of where it is. Mm. Um, and then you pretty much take it to settlement. And then there's a big sigh of relief to yeah. settle this property. <laughs> because let me tell you, you one of the things I have to tell you, and I tell you this for our listeners, is yep. that the, the day of and the day before settlement is the most stressful because mm. every solicitor in the world leaves everything to the last minute. Oh, right. So <laughs> you might be prepared to settle two weeks ago. I can yeah. guarantee you on the day and on the morning of settlement, there will be new adjustments. They'll be running around going, where is the lease? Where is the bond? Where is has, where is the tenant paid up to? Can we adjust for this? Oh, okay, there was this in arrears. That wasn't paid. Okay, oh, wow. the, the bank wants this fee, that fee. Okay, where is is the money in, in it? There'll be all this stress and that's yeah. just part and parcel of it. And, yeah. you know, it's probably up to 50% of properties who don't settle on the day. So if yours don't settle on the 50. day, mm. don't freak out because yeah, right. it is actually quite normal. Wow. And I never worry about it because the moment your property don't settle, mm. the agents will be on the phone next day to try to settle that property. <laughs> so yeah, the, when I hear it and I go, hmm, it hasn't settled, that's okay. Tomorrow it'll all be sorted out because uh, right. any bottlenecks, the sales agent will be on the phone sorting out the next day because their commission's on the line yeah. and they want this deal done. Of course they yeah. do.
course they do. When when you do sign, when you say yep, you've got to get it signed ASAP so you don't get gazumped, do you always recommend that you sign subject to finance, subject to due diligence? I mean, they're subject to what exactly would you sign? Um, so it's the conditions are normally um, subject to pest and building, subject to inspection, subject to uh, uh, due diligence and subject to finance or valuation. So they're, they're the typical um, subjects. We normally subject our contracts to finance and due diligence and make it broad. But not everyone is the same. Like we have to negotiate deals in this tight market where, mm. you know, if we like the property and it's perfect for our client, sometimes we've actually waived the due, due diligence and we're subject it to finance and valuation. And because we know that under finance valuation, we can actually tidy up a lot of things because, and this comes from experience. And when you're a newbie, this just seems like, oh my God, you're giving up this huge chunk, right? What could go wrong? But for someone who's experienced in our team can go in there and say, okay, well, this property needs, let's say this probably have two or three leases. Well, this property actually needs those two or three leases to be tidied up to get the finance. So that's not a due diligence issue. That's actually a finance issue. So let's put that in the finance basket and not in the DD basket. Yes. Uh, and what else can we do in the due diligence? And the due diligence might be, you know, we just need to tick off a few things and get someone out there to see the property. So we could actually do all of that in the first two or three days before we sign the contract right. and make the contract subject to finance only. Okay. Uh, there have been occasions where our client can pay cash. So we've had no issues of going no finance, but subject to evaluation because in this market we subject everything to evaluation. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we then subject, um, we might do a 14-day due diligence turnaround. Mm. Oh, okay, 14 days. Yeah. So you've covered already, thank you for that, so you've covered already a lot of the things that you can do for, for, the, um, for the investor. What are the, what are the main things that you, you can offer compared to an investor going in alone? So what... What are the, I guess I'm asking, what are the benefits, and you've mentioned some already, but what are the really big things that you, uh, your team, your agency can do that will help investors compared to them just going in by themselves? One of the things that um, the, the big benefits we offer our clients, and this there's three major benefits. Firstly, we offer them education, guidance, and mentorship, and a community. So it seems like a lot for number one. But one of the things is when you start out in the commercial property journey, there's still a lot of naysayers and still a lot of people out there who don't understand commercial property and a lot of people give you biased information. We we give you the information as is. So this is how it's done. This is this deal. This is this deal. And that's part of the education process. Then you meet other people who've done the deal. And you go, oh, if they can do it, I can do it. And you start to build out that confidence. And then you have access. Most people don't have access. This is what I find everyday Australians don't have access to not only information but good deals and and a community. So with us, you know, we can present them. We Like right now in one of our webinar series, we're actually for our education group, we're, we're teaching them how to do prop commercial property developments. It's a two-part series. And then we're going to show them lots and lots of examples in the upcoming one after that. So it's they wouldn't learn that just by being outside and talking to agents and looking at in websites or, or even reading books. This is live hands-on stuff. So that's one of the benefits. People join and even though they haven't found a property yet, they've learned it. They're learning that they're becoming better and better investors. Mm. So that's number one. The number two thing that happens is that they've got the safety net. So someone to actually 
um, guide them through the process. Uh, so that safety net is a team. So that team is really important. So our solicitors, our financial planners, our accountants, our finance brokers, um, plus our due diligence team, inspections person, all of that surrounds them. Um, we've got a, a building ex- an in-house building expert. So any issues they have in the whole journey, we can troubleshoot for them. We can troubleshoot so that they don't have to run around and speak to five different people, not be able to find the answers because, face it, at the end of the day, if you're doing a, a deal, you actually have maybe your lunchtime, your morning tea and afternoon tea break. And then by the time you finish your day, everyone else has gone home. You can't reach a solicitor at 6 p.m. at night. You, you, you Sometimes you can talk to a finance broker at 8 p.m. But most of the time, you can't talk to an engineer at 6 p.m. in the evening. You can't talk to um, a pest and building guy at 6 p.m. at night. You can't talk to your property manager at uh, when you finish work you can't do all these things but we can do all these things for you you can't and you know we can line these things up for you and then give you a debrief at a time in the week where you just go this is what happened and that's the safety net so you feel like there's a holding hand guidance all the way through so you know that when you come to the end you're making the absolute right decision on that particular property uh, yeah. and, and that's really really important and that's the value um, and number three, it is actually about a strategy, a long-term strategy. So we're not the one-deal property company. So we don't churn and burn our clients. We basically look at uh, what the the property that suits them but for their journey. So what's your number one property? What's your number two? What's your number three? And how does that build out into a portfolio? How long do you have to wait? For some people, that's a 15-year journey. For some people, that's a two-year journey. So it's how do you implement that? And we, we're we very ethical in the sense that, for example, we know that we've been in towns for the last three, five years investing into town. So we've seen the yield compress in that town. So, for example, Rockhampton is a 9% town. has been 9% town for the last two decades. Oh, wow. In the last three months, there is a crazy buying activity that other buyers agents are putting them into at 7 or 7.5%. We are not going to be part of that frenzy to put our clients into that deal, into that market at no. seven to seven and a half percent, because we're doing the wrong thing by the client. Gotcha. Because we know that if the market shifts, they've lost out mm. their entire savings, and yeah. that probably could go sideways for twenty years. Right. It doesn't have the same bounce back as you would if you bought in Sydney and you pay too much for it. So, some we're not talking about you know our investors who can take a hit if they because they have a large portfolio we're talking about the everyday australians who have their entire life savings who come to us and say yeah. find us a property yep we're not going to risk their money by putting them into a property town that we know that's been nine percent for the last two decades and all of a sudden just because of market frenzy at the moment it's at seven percent well what we will do with that situation say to them you have two options. One option is you come back to the city and we find you something at 6%, which is going to be much, much more secure for you. And then in you'll get some capital growth. In three years, sell that property and we'll find you something that is going to be high yield or you buy something that's not quite right in that area if you want to be in that regional and we'll help you fix it up and get the best value and income from it. Um, so Because we can, because our team can help shift and that's what puts us at the forefront of the industry. Great, fantastic. So you've got you've got it all covered. You've got the knowledge, the education, you've got the strategy. So that that's fantastic, Helen. That that's a really good thing to do. So at the end of the day, it's about the client, not us. It's the yep. client story. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that's great, Helen. Now, Helen, I understand we do have to go very, very soon, but I understand you have a weekend webinar coming up. Is that right? I've got a two-day boot camp coming up, and that's on the 22nd and the 23rd, I believe, of May. Just briefly, what's that all about? So that is going to be, uh, that's going to take you through from the beginning as a uh, foundation, investing in commercial property, all the way to become an expert commercial property investor. So we'll cover everything in that. So we'll cover foundation properties, we'll cover set and forget, we'll cover the uh, growth property strategy, we'll cover the uplift, and then we'll cover development as well, as well as talk about how you can come together as syndication and group deals. So we'll cover the whole range and look at accounting. Um, we look at accounting, we look at the um, financial planning for you. We'll also look at um, the possible ways of uh, the legals or putting things together as well. Gotcha. So that's actually only uh, 10 days away. That's uh, the next weekend after yep. this one. So yep. how can they find out more about that, Helen? So we'll post, um, I'll share you the link. Um, yep. So, we'll yep, they can normally go to our website, which is www.unicorn.com.au, yep. but yep. Um, there is actually a particular link just for that. So I'll, can, I'll give that to you, Tony, so you can post yep. that link in the uh, in podcast. Uh, but also you can always reach out to me at helentarrant.com as well. Beautiful. Beautiful. Helen, thank you for that. That is really, really good information. Now, I always like to leave our listeners with a 30-second tip. Now, I know you gave a really good one before and you said it was about having open thinking. I remember you saying keeping an open mind and not being closed-minded. So is there another 30-second tip you can share with our listeners? Um, My tip now is actually the 30-second tip is nothing beats action. You can be, if you don't know, something and but you can always find the answers but sometimes if you miss out on a deal you might end up kicking yourself for the next two years because of that deal so nothing beats action so all of the knowledge everything you learn action is paramount so take action reach out to us helentarrant.com or reach out to tony you know asking questions getting to get someone other people on the podcast that you want to hear but action beats everything else. And that's one of the big things. I drive my community. Action, action, action. Absolutely. That's no doubt about it. The, the experience I've had working with you, definitely, that's that's very true. So absolutely agree with that. So, Helen, thank you. Thank you so much thank for you. your time. Brilliant uh, advice and brilliant information. So um, thank you again for coming. And um, for everybody else out there, thank you so much for joining us. And until the next episode, We look forward to talking to you on Commercial Property Insiders Podcast. Thanks, Alan. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in, gurus. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to stay ahead on all the latest news on commercial property. And if you are serious about investing in commercial property and really want to be a success, I strongly encourage you to learn from the best and head over to commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders and get specialist education on commercial property investing. That's right, folks, commercialpropertyschool.com forward slash insiders and go for the best course in Australia on commercial property. Until next time, gurus, Tony Boffer signing off for the Commercial Property Insiders Podcast.
All of the opinions offered are done in good faith. In the event of any person sharing their story or information, this does not constitute financial advice. The opinions contained may be short-term in nature and are subject to change. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments involve substantial monetary risk, including the risk of losing one's entire investment. None of the information contained here constitutes or is intended to constitute a recommendation that any particular security investment or strategy is suitable for any specific person. None of the information contained here is nor is intended to be personalised investment advice. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own personal investment advisor based on your specific circumstances. Real estate investing is a dynamic vehicle. Cash flow and equity positions can change on a daily basis. People on this podcast may be affiliated with certain products and services.